Podcasting, The Final Frontier. This is the Hammer Podcast. It's 30-minute mission to rehash geeky topics, to seek out new bastions of nerdiness, to timidly go where the more talented have gone before. Greetings, and welcome to the Hammer Podcast, the official podcast of thehammerstrikes.com. I'm your host, Gene Hendricks, and yes, as you've guessed, the intermittent schedule of the show continues. However, we do have a new episode for you tonight, and it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation. But first, we have some listener feedback to go through. Our first email comes from Kirk Greenfield, the host of the Imperious Rex Confessions of a Serial surface invader podcast and he writes just finished listening to the two-part generation series podcast and enjoyed the review very much i picked up several of these in the cut rate bins of a local comic con after they'd come out i didn't recall seeing or hearing much about them at all so to find them at half cover price was a real bargain at the time don't recall if i got them all but do remember attempting to pick up both generations and generations too thanks for the great show well, thank you very much, Kirk. Uh, yeah, that was a fun conversation with Mike. The interesting thing is, I didn't expect it to go quite as long as it did, although you would think that by now I would know what was going on as far as uh, getting involved in geek talk with stuff like that, especially, you know, John Byrne, Superman, and Batman with Michael Bailey. Yeah, that's going to go on for a little while. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I... I've been hearing some good feedback on that. I do want to get to Generations 2. Uh, Mike is interested in that. But I've been told that Scott Gardner will murder me if (laughs) he is not on that show. So it's going to be interesting trying to find a time that we can all do it. But I do want to get to it. uh, Just I don't know when. Well, our next email comes from Mr. Luke Giaconetti. He of Earth Destruction Directive, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, and the fairly new, as of this recording, Get Back to the Wrestling podcast. And he's writing in on Jaws 2. So he says, My best memory of Jaws 2 is a strange story involving my brother, pro wrestling, and AOL Instant Messenger. Stick with me. So while I was in college in South Carolina, my brother was in college up in New York. And we would usually burn up AIM, that's America Online Instant Messenger for those of you younger than 30, talking about wrestling during the broadcasts of the multiple weekly then WWF and WCW broadcasts. One such show was WCW Thunder, which, if I am remembering my timing right, was at the time airing on Thursdays on TBS from 8 to 10. So while we were watching Thunder, some 800-plus miles apart, and talking about it on AIM, after Thunder, the next program on TBS was Jaws 2. So we kept right on rolling, discussing Jaws 2. The beginning of the film, with the explosion and the shark getting burned, prompted me to say, Whoa! Pyro Shark! To which Jason replied, Pyro Shark sounds like a tag team. And I returned with, Dorsal Fin, Bite Radius, The Pyro Sharks! And thus was born the Pyrosharks, a mass tag team which we have used in various fantasy wrestling federations since, with the gimmick being that they are our normal characters wearing masks. 
a fact which everyone is aware of, but the Sharks deny vehemently, of course. I've not seen Jaws 2 in many years, but I will always put it over as having inspired the Pyro Sharks. As such, it was great fun to hear you and Paul discussing the movie, which is loads better than most of the Jaws ripoffs, and worth watching even if it's not much of a threat to the original. Thanks for the great episode, and hopefully we hear more soon. Well, yes, Luke, you're hearing more right now. In fact, yeah, that that Jaws one took quite a while, or Jaws 2 one, took quite a while for me to get out simply because of the schedule. And as you can tell, it's been a little while since I got that episode out, and here we are on the next one. So, apologies to those of you listening in the far-flung future where there was no interruption. But, yeah, this is life. Uh, Everyone who is a podcaster knows family comes before the hobby. So, I'm going to try and get as many things in as I can when time permits. Luckily, the turnaround on this particular episode was actually fairly quick. So... Hopefully we can do that in the future. Uh, Part of that is due to me not doing a whole bunch of editing. Uh, I'm cutting out the before on-air talk and after on-air talk, making sure the levels work out all right, and that's pretty much it. I'm not going to go into the whole ums and ahs and silences just because that just takes too long. I'm sorry, the quality may be down a little bit, but I can't really do it and turn the episode over in a decent amount of time. So we're just going to have to go on with what we got. And I think it's still a very interesting episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Catch you after the break. Hey there, I'm Nathaniel with some exciting news about the Punch Like a Girl podcast. (laughs) Oh, hey, hey, Liz, I'm, I'm just doing the promo. Tell the people about how the podcast we do together covering graphic novels and trade collections starring female protagonists is moving to, and um actually I'm I'm mansplaining again aren't I uh-huh well I, I can just um here here you go punch like a girl is joined the, the fire and water network and as of October will be found on the network feed and at fireandwaterpodcast.com is it okay if I just invite folks to join us in celebrating the girls who kick butt? I think you already did. Yes! Nailed it! Don't worry, folks. I'll keep them in line. And welcome back. And I have a very special guest with me today. Uh, someone who is... This is not her first podcast, but is uh, the first fun podcast, uh, from her definition, Miss Vera Wild. How are you tonight? I am doing great. I was really, um, really excited when you asked me to be on. Yeah, well, uh, I'm trying to get more outside of what I normally talk about, which is comics, TV, stuff like that, and so the the topic we're going to be tackling tonight is going to be that of cosplay. And having just gotten back from a convention, I can tell you the art of cosplay is alive and well. Oh, most certainly. I like how you're only baby-stepping away from other stuff, though, because instead of talking about movies, comics, or TV, you're talking about people dressing like characters from movies, comics, or TV. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I'm not quite as bold as some people, so I'm just easing my way into it. <laughs> 
Uh, Fair enough. Now, one thing that we probably need to talk about is what is cosplay? I mean, uh, you could say that any child going out on Halloween is doing cosplay, really. Or you could uh, go so far as to say that it has, you know, cosplay has to be screen accurate, you have to be in character, uh, things of that nature. So that's kind of the two extremes. Vera, what in your when someone says cosplay to you, what immediately jumps to mind? I mean, if you're using that term specifically, my brain is going to go towards conventions more often than not, because that's where you hear the term um, bandied about. But as far as trying to define it, I would, I can't come up with anything that's particularly rigid. And any definition that I would come up with, honestly, would include stuff like. Halloween costumes or whatever people throw together for a renaissance fair which also means that it can include you know things that are um, from real life and not even exclusively from fiction Um, if you're talking broad strokes what you see most often if someone is to use that term is is they are in some way recreating a character from a piece of fiction now whether or not you want to limit it to screen or page accurate, that's usually when you start. I I never get hung up on that because that's kind of gatekeeping mm-hmm. in my mind. But some people, there, there are definitely people out there who take accuracy very, very seriously. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. And, you know, there are some instances where that is really, really nice to see. Uh for example, the, the convention that we just came from, uh, Zen Kaikon, which is an, an anime and manga convention that was held in Lan- Lancaster County, uh, Pennsylvania. There was, I would say, all ranges there, uh, to the point where we even saw one guy who was, he was dressed in, I don't, I don't know how familiar you would be with this anime, High School DXD. That one I don't know. Okay. Uh, the main character in it is, uh, I, I would say, possessed by the spirit of, they, they refer to it as the Red Dragon Emperor. And so he, he is able to tap into those powers, and one of the things he can do is create a suit of red armor on himself. And there was one guy there dressed in that armor, and you could tell... That this was homemade because there were some gaps like uh, around the eyes and things like that, but you could also tell he was extremely passionate about that character and went to great lengths to create this armor. So it may not be 100% accurate, it may not have cost thousands of dollars to do, but it looked great, he had fun wearing it and posing for a picture for me, and it's it showed his commitment to that anime and that character. And as far as I'm concerned, you're having fun. It looks, it looks all right. Go for it. That that's the perfect uh, idea of cosplay for me. And uh, for me too, the thing is I, I can appreciate the effort that goes into screen accurate, especially if you're going for something that, that isn't a live action thing. Like if you're going screen accurate for an anime Mm -hmm. uh, or a video game, I can certainly appreciate that, but, I always get way more enjoy- enjoyment out of people who do something that's a little bit of their own spin on it. I mean, 
in case people hadn't already picked up just from hearing my voice, um, I'm my. I, you referred to me as she, which I thank you. I do appreciate. Um, I was assigned male at birth, and I consider myself to be gender fluid. So I really enjoy crossplay, which mm-hmm. is people you know portraying characters of the gender of which they don't normally present. I really enjoy people who will take a character who has had many iterations and like mix and match pieces. I love when people do steampunk takes on characters that, you know, in that particular look might not have a precedent in the work itself. I that's the kind of cosplay that really gets me excited personally. Yeah, so something creative like that. And uh I believe I told you as we were leading up to this recording that one of the, the best conversations I ever saw at a convention, and this was at Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, where two true freaks had a table. So we were sitting there, and you know, people come by, hi, how are you, here's a flyer, this is what we do, stuff like that. And it was a comic book convention, therefore there were a lot of comic book costumes. And the, the best interaction of the weekend was a, Harley, a female Harley Quinn and a male Joker walking around, and they, she was dressed at, like from the Arkham Asylum games. So mm-hmm. the, the, the video game version of Harley Quinn. And coming the other way was a male Harley Quinn dressed in the Margot Robbie version. But uh, this wa- this wasn't a guy who was trying to look feminine. He was just... Harley Quinn's his, his favorite character. He was built more or less like me, full beard, <laughs> had a giant hammer on his shoulder, and the, the the two locked eyes, the two Harley Quinn's locked eyes, and they were going back and forth about which one of them should take the Joker back to their room. <laughs> and they were, they were in character the whole time. I, I was just, I couldn't help but just stare at it and just absorb the moment it was hilarious it was very well done on both sides neither of them were professional costumes but they were having a great time with the interaction and they parted you know very well and i think everyone around them had a great time and so you know crossplay or being in- inventive in that in that nature is is perfectly fine and you know, you don't if you're doing crossplay, you don't have to try and emulate the gender. You just say, oh, well, hey. It, it, it's like if I was going out and said, you know, one of my favorite characters is Vixen. I'm going to dress up as Vixen. What the heck? You know, I'll just, I'll dress up, make it look like Vixen, but for me. And that counts. It does. And certainly some of my favorite cosplays I've seen in, in the last couple of years have been... In- it, it mostly it was it was women doing male characters, but they're not trying to pass off as male. So I saw um, a couple years ago at Vermont Comic Con, I saw a female um, Captain America and uh, a female Hellboy. Oh, cool! Which was very cool. That was that was an elaborate one too. I think she was part of like a like a really organized cosplay group because she w- she was. Um, <laughs> She was traveling with a guy in Hulkbuster armor hmm. and um, somebody who had done an, a ridiculously accurate uh, Big Daddy from Bioshock. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, 
but I I really do enjoy that kind of stuff. Or another thing that I I enjoy on the few occasions that that I've done cosplay myself is I really do enjoy posing with someone who has done the same character but in a, in a different way. Oh, all right. Um, my first time going to a convention in cosplay, I did Wonder Woman, and I every other Wonder Woman I could come across, I got a selfie with. I had a blast doing that. <laughs> yeah, there was one Wonder Woman that we saw. Uh, but she was the old retired Wonder Woman, so <laughs> she she was going. She had a cane, and the the lady doing it was not uh, a senior citizen, but she was playing a senior citizen. She had the the gray wig. She had a cane. She was going around. She had a um, piece of toilet paper stuck to her boot, and it was, she was just, <laughs> she was just having a good time being this you know old crotchety Wonder Woman, and you know. We had fun interacting with her, and I think, like you said, I think everyone that saw her just wanted a selfie with her. It was, it was great. That I mean, that is always a lot of fun. Um, so, and like, I want to ask, because I don't think we even compared these. Have you actually cosplayed for these things? Uh, technically, yes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear how, how we get away with just technically. <laughs> well, uh... I'm a big Star Trek fan to the point of the Star Trek fan club that I was involved in for many years, and my wife was involved in as well. We made our own fan episodes. So we would go to conventions dressed as our characters. So So like, you were in uniform. What what era was your fan the, show set in? Because you, you are not the first person I've known who's made fans their own fan Star Trek series. Our... Uh, we were set after the beginning of Star Trek Generations, so after Kirk disappears in the Nexus. Okay. Uh, be, be after that and before Next Gen. So we were in the Monster Maroons. Uh, I was a I was the chief engineer, so I was able to wear the vest, the Scotty vest, uh, <laughs> for most of it, which is a heck of a lot more comfortable. Uh, but we were trying to bridge the gap, so we were. If you were on the ship, you could use your comm badge because that just connected to the the ship's intercom. But if you were on a planet, you needed a handheld communicator. So we're baby steps. In, uh, that's one I do, apparently, is baby steps there. Uh, <laughs> so we would go to conventions to promote ourselves, and we would be in the Monster Maroon uniforms. But whereas most people would have, well, you know, I am Captain so-and-so, I'm Commander... I was a lieutenant commander, because that's what my character was. I had the, the badge and everything. Uh, I've, I believe that is the only time I've gone to a convention in costume. Uh, I've done, like, Halloween parties and, and things of that nature. Oh, no, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Uh, the same club for The Return of the King, when that came out, we would do a lot of promotions at movie theaters so the movie theater would let us see the movie for free and set up let us set up in the lobby because we were dressed up so i was uh i wasn't any particular character i was just a ranger so i had my sword my sword belt my you know tunic cloak whatever so i was just a ranger our uh our one friend was she called herself Gimli's wife. 
but she she had the, a beard on, but it had a pink bow in it. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, please tell me she had a beard. That's great. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so I've done things of that nature. I've I've never gone to a convention as like Superman or the Flash, <laughs> or basically I I avoid tights whenever possible. Just <laughs> not my body type, you know. <laughs> no, and that's fair. And if let me put put this out there. If someone of my body type is wearing tights, I'm not turned off by that. I actually admire their bravery. Because you get these people out there that say, oh, well, you know, you, you can only do this cosplay because you look like that. No. You can do yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, no, that's, that is worth bringing up because there are certainly... Um, it's something that comes up with crossplay sometimes, a little bit less so because I think um, folks who are transgender or otherwise not gender, non-gender conforming, I'm not going to say you're getting more acceptance, but people are iffy about hassling them at this point because mm -hmm. at the very least they seem to realize that's a bad look. Um, however, you do still get people hassling cosplayers who are to put it bluntly, heavier than the characters they portray, which is awful that it, they get hassled because they have they have just as much right to portray that character as anybody. Yeah, I, I agree. And sometimes you'll have the people that embrace it. Like um, if you have a, a guy that wants to cosplay as the Flash who's on the heftier side, brings a bucket of chicken with him, you know? <laughs> Uh, but th that's them accepting it and making a joke. But it, even if they're not, who cares? They're having a good time. It's it's not like DC or Marvel or Disney or Warner Brothers is coming down on them and saying, "No, we own this character. It can only be done of this by type." It's it it's like you were saying before. It's gatekeeping. It's you trying to tell somebody else what they can do with a character that you don't own. Yeah. Yeah, and and that and that sort of stuff it, it's just a shame. And and I don't I don't have as much um, grounding to sort of say too much about this, but un, um, but I'll bring it up as well because otherwise I'd feel weird not mentioning. It, it unfortunately does happen with race as well. Um, annoyingly, usually when a non-white cosplayer wants to cosplay a white character, you will get some degree of hassling, usually in the form of somebody posting BS comments on a message board because um, by and large these sorts of people won't say these things in public usually but it that that happens as well which is is also unfortunate I remember reading an article I think about a year ago from a um, from a black cosplayer who loves anime but there are very few black characters in anime and so she would she just cosplays whoever she wanted, but she'd get hassled a lot by people who said she shouldn't be playing that character. Well, if you want to go that far, then anyone who's in Japanese shouldn't be playing those characters. Well, unfortunately, that sparks a whole other debate yeah. because that there are there. Anytime you bring that up, there is unfortunately a rather large number of people who will get into an argument as to whether or not all characters in anime are actually intended to be Japanese or not in the first place, um, mm. which is a completely separate thing. But skin color, that's that's a much easier line in the sand for folks to draw. 
Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's been that way for many, many centuries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's... If you're willing to put the time and the effort into it, and it doesn't have to be a super amount of time and effort, you know, you it could be as little as going to the local costume store and buying one of those costumes in a bag thing and going out like that. That you, you've put some money and some effort into it and you are putting yourself out there in that out, in that outfit. And most people are going to look at you and say, Hey, good job. I'm glad to see you here. I mean, there was, uh, there was one, uh, at this most recent convention that it was, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, gender, race, whatever, because it was it was a full head-to-toe suit, uh, dressed as a nine-tailed fox. <laughs> which which was really interesting. It was uh, an orange suit. And uh, walked by me, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, it's a nine-tailed fox. And they turned around. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I was just counting. Because <laughs> I was counting the tails. Because <laughs> they, they, they caught you looking at their backside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that shows up a lot in anime and manga uh, as a, a a powerful spirit. So I was like, oh, wow, someone actually decided to do that. That's wonderful. And it, it wasn't a super elaborate costume. It was just a fox costume that they put eight, eight more tails on. <laughs> you know, it, it was fine. It, it looked great. It's It's funny how how some folks get into because i actually only started to going to like conventions to do cosplay in the last couple of years the first like attempt at anything close to an accurate costume that wasn't just you know taking my kid out to, for halloween um was actually stuff that i put together for burlesque shows because um, i perform uh as a burlesque performer so one of my um, one of my earlier numbers after I moved to Vermont was um, was a Doctor Who number um, where I was the 11th Doctor, um, who was the Matt Smith because he was the he was the actor in the role at the time, and I had a I had a number where I regenerated into a woman. Um, so Shocking. obviously I I I called that, and I totally deserve a residual check. Um, <laughs> Uh, but actually, a fair amount of um, of stuff that I would consider to be cosplay, I either did originally or only in burlesque numbers. That was how um, that was how I originally ended up doing Wonder Woman. I did Poison Ivy that way. That my Harley Quinn was a burlesque number. I <laughs> I'm really proud of this one for its obscurity. Um, I did Janine Melnitz from Ghostbusters, <laughs> but hold on, not the film, the cartoon. So the the bright red-headed Janine. The bright red-head, huge poof in the front, um, big bulky jewelry, um, the, the, the yellow top with the orange skirt, uh, yellow heels, yeah, that one. Nice. Uh... As more recently, though, I've started to get into, and this is something that I've always kind of appreciated, but sort of didn't have um, the com- the confidence to do. Because I think in some ways it's almost um, 
more of a safety net to be doing like an actual character that exists. But I've started to do stuff that is, well, I'm just this kind of thing, but I'm not doing anyone specific. So along those lines, I have out, I've done, uh, I've been a Slytherin, okay. um, which is, which is my house. That is my Hogwarts house. Um, but I'm not being anyone specific, partly because I'm not going to dye my hair blonde uh, <laughs> to, to play the only named Slytherins that anyone knows. But you know, I've got you know, I've got the the tie, and I have some Slytherin earrings, and I've got a wand. Um, or uh, recently, um, I had a, um, a Sith robes, and I did you know, I sort of a pale makeup with some with some black line designs on it so i was i was a sith i was a dark jedi but i wasn't being a specific one and i've really started to enjoy this finding a category of something that and being my own thing within that which in a way is a bit what you did with you know your um your your starfleet post people knew you know what you were referencing but you got to be your own thing a little bit yeah, and I think that gives you a bit more freedom because you're not locked down to, oh, well, I need to act this way. I need to look exactly like this. I have to have, you know, the, the scar right here on my forehead, uh, which I do, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> that, But you can, you can create your own thing. So someone, like, let's say, uh, going back to Star Trek, you see someone in a Starfleet uniform, and they've got a visor on, but they've also got pointed ears. Okay, well, it's a blind Vulcan. Great! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's not anything, any specific character, but you know exactly just by looking at it as, okay, that's in this category. And things like Harry Potter, Star Trek, Star Wars, the, you, you get, I think, a, a little more of a a broad brush you can paint with there because you have these groups involved. It's not like superhero comics. It you don't really have that so much because you have the main heroes. They're not any group is made up of individual heroes. You know, it's not, yeah. Uh, the one one that I can think of that might work would be Code Blue, which was a uh, a sub sub story running in the Tom DeFalco Ron Friends Thor comics, and it was the New York Police Department's superhero response team. So <laughs> you had specific characters in that that group, but if you just walked in with like a police uniform that said Code Blue on it, there you go. You're a member of that team. There you go. Yeah, it, it is funny with comics because ev you want everyone to have a really distinct look so they can be picked out of group shot real easily. Mm -hmm. um, like maybe for certain eras, you, you can throw together a what, what could pass for a generic X-Men outfit. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has had kind of a generic agent look for a while. But yeah, not not a whole lot um, in in those areas. It's more something you run into uh, with with other forms of fiction, I think. Yeah, anything that you have, like a, a general group of things, like uh, an army or something of the an army and navy, something that would have a uniform 
that you can then riff off of. An army, a navy, a Borg. Yes. I've, I've seen more than a few great <laughs> Borg cosplays. <laughs> yeah, my wife, uh, keep she reminds me every now and again about the Borg costume she saw at her first Star Trek convention. Because, yes, my wife is as big a geek as I am. And Good on you. She she said that it was it was a, an amazing costume, screen perfect. You know, even had the little laser pointer over the eye, but uh, obviously had some issues with adjustment because had two white handprints right on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> so I got done putting the white makeup on. Us. Oh, this isn't fitting right, and wham, there you are. Whoops. But it, memorable. It is, it is honestly easy to forget sometimes <laughs> where you have makeup or, you know, just, if you've done anything like and I, I have to watch this all the time. If I've done anything around my eyes to be like, oh, I really want to rub my eyes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will look like a raccoon if I do that. <laughs> That that would be interesting though. Is uh, and oh, Wonder Woman, you didn't get much sleep last night, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I I could have gotten away with it when I did Harley Quinn because I I actually did do the the Arkham Asylum version of Harley Quinn, so it had like the big black splotches anyway. So okay. That that one I could have gotten away with. Now, when when you go out to conventions and such, um, obviously you get asked for your picture quite a bit, correct? Mm-hmm. Um. Do you ever catch people taking your picture without permission? Um, I haven't caught them doing it. I'm sure it's happened once or twice. Um, but by and large, people seem to get, at least at the conventions I've been, people seem to get the etiquette of requesting that you can take a picture of somebody. Um, and because... You know, people, <laughs> people, whenever they see me, because um, I don't, I think that I look good. I also don't think I pass for female. For one thing, I'm too damn tall. I'm, <laughs> I'm six feet before I put heels on. So just that alone is usually enough for people to, to take a second look. And on, and on a close inspection, I don't think I pass 100%, but I still think I look good. But that means that people either, tend to keep an eye on me but also keep like a 10 foot distance um or get really excited and like come up and you know want to say something or want to take a picture and uh and i always do do appreciate that and it was it was something i i quickly picked up on whenever i wanted to to get a picture of someone else and also because because i'm a little bit of a narcissist by and large i like to get selfies with <laughs> people and it's pretty rare that i'll just take a picture of them on their own without me in it as well um i have to be really bowled over by an outfit to do that um but yeah i've at least i have found that people seem to understand that that is proper etiquette um and also by and large thankfully most people know to ask before they put their hands on you usually for the purposes of the picture you know ask is it okay if i put my arm around you is it okay if i lock my arm with yours you know things like that most people know to ask um which is also a good thing because um you know the cosplay is not consent is a thing that has had to be hammered home in the last few years because it wasn't 
um, always properly practiced. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm really happy to hear that you have experience positive experiences like that. But yeah, I luckily it has not happened in any of the conventions I've been to, limited number that they are. Uh, but just just the idea of someone dressing up is oh you can do whatever you want to me it it it, it doesn't compute well, you know <laughs> well i mean but fundamentally it it harkens back to and and i think it's something that it, i'm really glad is getting hammered on and i think it's part of the reason we don't see it or at least i haven't seen it um, in person, and that's not to say that it doesn't happen because I know that it does. But like the the entire mentality that kind of spawned that is the whole well, look at how she was dressed. She was asking for it, which as a society we seem to understand that's not okay. <laughs> so yeah, and, uh, having, having moved on from that, we can kind of extend out, and therefore having a skimpy costume is also not asking for it. Right. I mean it's. The and it it might just be my upbringing or my mindset, but I've always looked at it as you are someone is dressing up for themselves and or their significant other. Me being in the same room, I'm not part of that equation at all. Nice to look at. In most cases, I have no problem with that. In fact, my wife will now, you know, we understand each other to the point where she'll nudge me and say, hey, look at that one. Or I'll, <laughs> I'll point out something to her. You know, hey, check him out. Uh, but that's just because they're there. They're in the same room. You're going to look at them. But put your hands on them without permission. Uh, cat call them. Something like that. It just, it, it makes my brain hurt, you know? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I speak as someone who, who does go, you know, and, and I am dressing for myself, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm also dressing for attention. I've, I've worked photo booths um, at some conventions. I, it, it is my hope to be noticed, but you still have to be respectful in any case. And um, I, I think obviously it probably goes without saying that by and large these sorts of offenses are committed um, by men against women however i kind of want to discuss the flip of that too because the the one and only time that i have been touched inappropriately against uh you know without consent was by a woman and by a woman who could tell that i was um that i biologically am male and the the standard applies both ways it's not okay because you're a woman touching a guy. As a society, we don't frown on that as much. We think, oh, all guys like attention from women. But without consent, no. No, really not. So I, I feel the need to point that one out. Not because women do it more. They don't. But And also having talked to some other people, the, the incidents where – it's been a woman that's done an inappropriate touching. It's very clear that they have never been told that that's not okay. Um, and just because it, it, it's kind of assumed either that it is okay or that, oh, that doesn't happen, so you don't have to mention it. 
And I kind of do because the only time it ever happened to me, that was what it was. Yeah, I, because well, just just the era that you and I grew up in, we're, we're a little ways apart in age, but same generation, I would say. Uh, we we were you know brought up with the idea of well boys have to go and sow their oats but girls you had better stay right here at home not do anything oh so, yeah you know the 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 dichotomy there and it seems like that you know the the male mindset from that era and from the eras before has always been, well, I can do whatever I want. You know, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm supposed to go do this. Luckily we're moving beyond that. But on the reverse, it, there was, I'm, I'm going to assume, I don't have any practical experience like this, but I'm going to assume that there were some females that, that repression just, it, it overtook them. And they, they, the pendulum swung too far the other way. Ending up sure in, I, in your case. I'm not sure I'd go that far. In okay. my mind, I think it's much more a case of honestly feeding off that same thing that you said, you know, the, the assumption, oh, guys, they go and sow their wild oats. Well, a logical extension of that is guys always want it. True. Yeah. Therefore, it makes it okay for a woman to touch a man because, of course, he's going to want it. He's a guy. Mm-hmm. Guys always want it. So I don't think it's necessarily a um, like a rebellious thing against having been oppressed, although I'm sure it could be theoretically. I think it's much more this assumption that guys always want that kind of attention from women, and it's not a hard leap from – from you know, oh yeah, you know what all guys want to. Oh well, if they all want that, cool. That it'll be okay for me to touch them because I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah, I see your point there. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's let's get back to a more happy version of this topic. Uh, Gladly. <laughs> now you've done cosplay more than I have, both with the burlesque and at conventions. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you say was your favorite one to do? Not necessarily the one that you felt looked the best, but the one that you got the most gratification out of uh, dressing up as. I'm going to cheat and give you two answers because it's it's kind of a tie for different reasons. Okay. Um, the first would be Wonder Woman. Because when I did her, um, we had we had a photo booth for the Green Mountain Cabaret, and so we had a number, which is a burlesque troupe that I am associated with. I do hosting with them, and we had a, a number of members at the booth at various times of the day, po- um, as different in different cosplay characters for people to get their pictures taken with. So, like we had someone, the the new Ghostbusters had just come out, so we had one of the members as Holtzman. Um, which was uh, Kate McKinnon's character from that. We had, um, uh, what did we have? Oh, we had Mystique. We had <laughs> this. This was a this was a dark one. We had somebody as Lisbeth Salander uh, from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, but but I was there as Wonder Woman, and the experience of people seeing me, and and keep in mind this was also my first time at a convention. Um, because I'd only done it like in performance up 
at that point. The experience of people seeing me and coming up to me and wanting a picture with me was a really um, empowering thing, but by far, there was this moment, this mother and this little girl, they're coming down the aisle, and the girl was probably, she, no way was she more than five. I think she was four, actually, but her mother kind of taps the little girl and points at me. This girl's face lights up. It practically explodes. And she comes running over to me and she hugs onto my leg <laughs> and looks up at me and goes, I love your show. Wow. <laughs> and it, oh my God, that, that, that was the single most rewarding experience um, that I've ever had associated with cosplay. I don't think it'll ever be topped. Um, but I, there were a few other kids that that I, that came over as well, including some young boys who um, who were really excited to pose with me as well. And that was all really fun. The one that I have the most sort of personal pride in, and the one that I was happiest with, more in the abstract, uh, that was when I did Poison Ivy. Hmm. And that was partially because that was the first time I got crafty at all because I'm not um, I'm not an arts and crafts person. I usually don't make my own stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't buy you know bad costumes like the Wonder Woman stuff was a combination of several pieces from several different people that I gotten off of Etsy um, and 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 things like that. But when I did. Um, Poison Ivy. I I didn't buy a, a ready-made costume. I bought various pieces. I bought a, I bought a green corset. Um, I bought you know an appropriate wig. I got some green fishnets. I got heels that were way higher than I thought they were based on the picture. But <laughs> I still had them. I they I thought they were four inches. They were five. Um, so <laughs> I had those. <laughs> But I have bought these these sort of green sleeves. They they were sort of they were sort of fingerless, and it was just this um, you know it went up about to the elbow. And I ordered them, I think, off of Amazon. And in the picture, it had leaves on it, not a ton, but it had like a little smattering of them. When I when that arrived, it had like three leaves on it. Oh wow! I'm looking at this going, this this is crap. And for a half second, I was like, I got to find something else. But then I thought, no, wait a minute. So instead, what I did was I bought, um, and I guess you normally buy these like to decorate. I don't know, like a like a wedding or or maybe for a, for a set for something. But I bought these these long strings of of ivy vines, pulled the leaves off them, and then glued them all up and down these these gloves these sleeves completely covering them so i had nothing but leaves going up the arm so i did that on both of those and then actually ended up doing the same with um with the green uh sort of underwear that i was wearing um as well so that was the first time that i got that i got crafty um and the other thing that i did and this was like a crazy cheap last minute decision solution but it looked really good was when I when I put the fishnets on, um, right before I pulled them up, I just kind of like dropped in it and sprinkled the some some extra of the leaves that I had, and then pulled it up, and they 
and they just kind of stung, stuck there. And so that they were, they were kind of up the side of my leg in a sort of not particularly organized, but sort of oddly organic pattern. And people kept asking me, how'd you do that? I'm like, I just dropped them in. <laughs> they, they just looked like that. I know, right? It's um, completely random and it works. Yeah. So I, that was the one that I was most happy with, with it, like just looking at myself and going, oh, damn, yes. And, and sort of taking pride in actually having um, made some of it to a degree because that, that was something I had avoided for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I'm, I'm not very good making, making clothing at all. <laughs> Anything yeah. I, I need made, I get my wife to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I only started I I hadn't sewn anything in my life until last year when I did Kaylee cuz I had to sew patches onto the jumpsuit um and then I did Fix It Felix. I had to sew um the patch on the hat and on the shirt. <laughs> well, again, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little bits. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I like I said I don't have a huge amount of cosplay experience uh just just the things i mentioned and the one i guess it would count because it was in public uh a couple years ago uh my friends and i got together and we i was before my wife got got her current job which basically derailed the whole family schedule because she works nights now uh I was getting up early in the morning and going running, uh, just because I was a fat bastard and I needed to lose weight. <laughs> so we, you know, I got involved in some five uh, Ks, and yeah, the the first one I did was the Rocky Run because I live near Philadelphia and that seems kind of a, a necessity. Uh, but a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, um, Adam Worth, who I do my, the Quantum Cast with. Uh, he was saying, hey, you know, this sounds cool. Why don't we try and get together and we'll do something? And we, I came across this one. It's called the Totally Awesome 80s Run. And they were, they would give out prizes for the best team uh, because you would have a theme together. So we decided we're going to go as 80s wrestlers. <laughs> so we had uh, Adam was dressed up as Ric Flair. Complete with wig. Nice. Uh, our friend Rob was dressed up as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Our friend Frank was the uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, which is perfect for him because he's a Yankee fan, Yankees fan anyway. My wife was dressed as Miss Elizabeth, and I was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> well, I got the beard. So I was actually, I actually grew my beard in, and that's, this is the most effort I've gone to, is I, specifically growing my beard in to look like Macho Man's beard. I <laughs> got the bandana, the sunglasses, the shirt, everything, and I had somewhat of a similar situation to you, because I'm, after the run is over, right, and I'm dead, <laughs> because... Uh, I'm I'm not built to be a runner, but I do it anyway. And this guy comes up to me. He's, hey, can I get a picture with you? My brother loves Macho Man. All right. 
<laughs> I'm here for a run. <laughs> Whatever. Go for it. And I, believe it or not, I actually won Best Male Costume. Nice! Because no one else was willing to go up against me. And I don't understand why. <laughs> they they called out, okay, let's get the Best Male Costume. I said, hey, what the heck, I'm dressed like this anyway. I walked up. <laughs> no one else! I didn't think I looked that good, really. <laughs> but, hey, whatever. Apparently you scared off everybody else. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll throw a picture of our group in the chat, and you can tell me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, assuming this thing's going to work on me. Uh, but it it was fun. That, that was the main thing about it, is everything that we're talking about is for fun. You know? Yes. And that's... That's something I think a lot of people could possibly, it, it could get lost in it, but the, everything we're doing, going to conventions, doing this run, whatever, is just to have a good time. Yes, part of it is, hey, look at me, because if you don't want people to look, look at you, you wouldn't go out dressed like that <laughs> in the first place. But, no, you, you, you do what I do 80% of the time. You'd slap on a hoodie and, <laughs> and, keep, and keep your head down. Yeah, but it's, you know, it, it's just having a good time, getting more into something you enjoy. And anymore, I go to conventions and I'm wearing my Two True Freaks shirt just because I'm promoting the network and pro promote my show, my, my blog, etc. But if I felt the need to do it, I get dressed up again. Uh, the perfect example is my daughter, who is nine, going to be ten in August, which is a really, really frightening thought. <laughs> but she loves getting dressed up. Halloween, one of her favorite things. Uh, when we first went to Walt Disney World, she got dressed up at, um, we went to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. And she got the full princess outfit and everything. Next day, went to the Magic Kingdom for the first time. She wore the dress. <laughs> she said, I'm, I got, got the dress, the hair, everything. I'm going. So there have been times where I've gone out with her in a matching costume. So if she's dressed up as a princess, I will go dressed as a knight. And so if she ever wants to go to a convention like that, we can do a whole family costuming thing. We're we're perfectly happy with that. Because it's it's fun. I've seen uh, families out dressed as the Incredibles, dressed as the Avengers. Uh, there was one family this past weekend, dre all dressed as Street Fighter characters. Uh, the, the husband was Ken, the wife was Cammy, and... Cammy's on my to-do list. Oh, yeah? <laughs> my, my wife actually pointed out to me, I said, uh, you see the one with the leotard upper butt? What's going on there? I said, oh, that's Cammy. She's from Street Fighter. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I got very happy when she did that particular victory pose. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but everyone was just having fun, and... Any any time 
and I'm, I'm gonna, you know, get off my soapbox in a minute, but anytime you go out and make someone's good time feel like they're having a bad time, you're doing it wrong. So lay <laughs> off them. And that, that is our preachy moment for the episode. There you go. Now, I'm let's backtrack just a tiny bit because I'm looking at this picture and that it that that is a legit macho man. I'm not gonna lie. I am actually not excessively surprised that no one else wanted to get on that stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I need to get back down to that weight at some point, but I'm not too far above it. I can still wear the outfit. Well, they, there you go. As as long as it still you know fits mostly. Yeah. Well, then then you're you're doing good. Yeah. It, I I went from. And this is a completely separate topic, but I went from a double X t-shirt size to a large and have stayed at large since. So I'm, I'm calling that a victory. I, I would, I would agree. Good for you. So I just need to get back to the, the running thing and, you know, just <laughs> a brilliant person I am. I signed up for one in the beginning of June for work. So that'll be fun. I can embarrass myself in front of my coworkers. Yeah, when the uh, when the guy who runs the the office five uh, k every year comes around, I, I kind of I try to disappear. <laughs> well, luckily, most of the people in the office aren't they're they're in shape, but they're not runners. Uh, most of us. I, I would say it is actually most most of us. When the weather's nice, like it is currently, we'll go out at lunchtime because we have an hour lunch and walk. And so I'll I'll do three miles at lunchtime, just just to get exercise in because I don't have with my wife working nights. She gets home in the morning. I leave. I mean, literally. I'm she pulls in the driveway. I walk out of the house. <laughs> so I don't have time <laughs> to do it any other time because after after work I gotta pick the kid up. Get home, make dinner. She, you know, we maybe watch some TV. She goes to work, and then I have to deal with everything else. You know, do the dishes, get, you know, next day stuff ready, make sure the kid's doing her homework, stuff like that. So, you know, it's, I don't have time other than lunch at work. Now, that's that's about the only time I, I get out these days either. So, understood. I yeah. like it. It's You're in a lot better shape than I am, though. Well, <laughs> see, the, the, the difference is... I'm I'm sliding. I used to be in better shape than than I am. I've been I was gonna say trying. I haven't been trying that hard. I've been wanting to lose about the same twenty pounds for three years. So you know, uh, but it's one of the few things I miss about living in New York. Um, was I used to take the stairs, mm. and I worked on the twenty eighth floor. Da, and I took my lunch later than everybody else so i had no one to talk to so i used to take the elevator down and to take the stairs actually up to the top floor which was the 34th take the elevator back down and do them again by the time we moved out of new york i could do it three times in uh in a half hour wow that's good <laughs> that and keep your legs toned for sure oh my legs were amazing my legs are still pretty good they're they're 
if you're a burlesque performer, it helps to know like the one thing that's like, oh, this is this is this is the part that I I really I linger on the reveal of. For me, it's my legs. But even as much as my legs are good now, they were killer when I was in New York. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we've gotten into weight loss and <laughs> exercise <laughs> and everything. That's usually the point where, you know, I maybe we hit everything we had to say. <laughs> Probably, yes. So uh, by way of wrapping up, let me just say, first of all, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your, your point of view on this. Thanks and- for having me. And also, congratulations on your successful Kickstarter to get your book published. Yes! Hooray! Um, so, I suppose at this point, since the Kickstarter is wrapped up, this is plug for thing that will be available later. Um, I wrote a book um, that's, called, that's going to be called Skirting Gender, um, which is about my life as a gender fluid person and also sort of offering advice, um, which is something I've been doing on YouTube for years, putting up advice videos for people who aren't as far along in their gender exploration as I am. Um, you know, a lot of practical advice, uh, makeup tips, you know, how to, you know, more, uh, feminine hand gestures or how to sit like a, like a woman. If it's not something you're used to, or Sorry, I shouldn't say like a woman in a in a, a classically feminine fashion, um, and and things like that. So it, it's a book that is a mix of advice as well as um, my, my own personal life experiences. And the Kickstarter was for me to be able to afford to hire an editor so that I can self-publish the thing because I shopped it around publishers for a few years. Nobody bit. I said, screw it. I'll put it out myself. Um, so that will be available. I'm aiming to have that available um, by September, but definitely by the end of the year. Excellent. Uh, I'm sure that there will be a high demand for that because your Kickstarter funded pretty damn quick, if I remember right. It it was fully funded about halfway through the campaign. Yeah. So yeah, it it that was uh that was exciting and terrifying. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. So now, now there's people who have already paid money for this that I have to answer to. Oh boy! <laughs> no pressure, though. <laughs> no, no pressure. I quantified dollar value pressure. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned YouTube. Uh, do you want to plug your YouTube channel? Sure. Um, it it doesn't get as actively updated as it used to, but I do still update it, and there's a huge back catalog on it. So honestly, if you just look for Vera Wild, uh, last name spelled W Y L D E, because I had to do it really pretentiously. Um, if you look for Vera Wild, you will find me on YouTube, on Twitter. I have a Facebook um, page for basically for myself as a model and a performer, um, and I'm on Instagram. So there are there are plenty of ways to to find me if you're if you're curious about what I actually look like in some of these outfits. Oh, I'm sure that people listening to this are going to go right there just to see the pictures of Wonder Woman. That you've got to dig back a little while for that one because that was a couple years ago. My the, my Sith stuff is pretty current though on uh, on Instagram and Flickr. Okay, cool. All right, everyone, make sure you go out and uh, find Vera and all all the great stuff she does. And again. Thank you very much for coming on. I I appreciate your input. Thanks for having me. All right, and we'll see you next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Hammer Podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, 
please feel free to send an email to gene at thehammerstrikes.com. If you like what you've heard, please visit the Patreon page, which is located at patreon.com slash thehammerstrikes, and consider becoming a sponsor of the show. Please be sure to check out The Hammer Strikes on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and YouTube. The Hammer Podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. <laughs>